Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we're talking with an incredible endurance athlete, uh, Kate Coward. Um, what has Kate not done? That's the question, really, <laughs> uh, as I look at all the things that she's taken on. Um, Kate is an athlete living in Minnesota. Um, she has participated in all sorts of the winter ultras. Um she has ridden her fat tire bike uh, at Tuscobia in Wisconsin. She's done the Arrowhead 135. Uh, she did this little thing called the Iditarod. I don't know if you've heard of it. Just kidding. Uh, that's that gigantic, amazing, incredible race in Alaska, which sounds so wild. And there are killer moose and just buckets and buckets of snow through the Alaskan wilderness. Uh, we've done a handful of podcasts about that. Um She's also on foot completed the double Arrowhead 135, which is a race in northern Minnesota. Uh, it is extremely, extremely, extremely cold. Her and Kari Gibbons did the double, um, which we kind of we talk a bit about towards the end of the podcast here. Uh, recently, she took on a gravel bike race. She's kind of getting into gravel bike, uh, and it's she took this one on called the Dam which is a day across Minnesota, which is which you'll hear all about in this episode. We talk all about it because she did a double dam, um, with, which was about 500 miles uh, across Minnesota and then back, which is absolutely incredible. She did it in 48 hours on her gravel bike. Uh, gravel bike racing is something that has like really piqued my curiosity recently. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the pure suffering of riding your bike for crazy distances. And also maybe it's this. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my grandpa lived in Milton, Iowa, and it was a town of about 60 to 100 people. Um, and it was surrounded by gravel roads. And so me and my dad went out and we took our bikes out on a bike ride. And we probably did, I don't know. 20 miles maybe, but 20 miles on gravel roads of nonstop hills, um, of rolling hills, man, that just takes it out of you. It's crazy. You know, you look at the Midwest and you're like, oh, everything is flat there. That is not the case for anyone who's actually lives in the Midwest, especially on the gravel roads. Um, you're just going either down or up the whole entire time. And after a while that just wears you out. Um, so to hear, well, when I heard that Kate rode 500 miles in 48 hours, I was like, I have to reach out to her. She sounds incredible. Um, I've talked to a bunch of people kind of in that, uh, winter ultra fat bike, uh, run through the snow, pulling a sled community. Um, and I think it is awesome. I think it is fascinating. I want to make it up to one of those races at some point. Um, so I'm hoping that's on my bucket list. Uh, especially I think I might've mentioned before, but Tuscobia, uh, it turns around or whatever, or the 80 miler. If you do half of it, it starts in, uh, Park Falls, Wisconsin. And, uh, my dad lives there. So, think it would be super cool so um but yeah let's get into it let's get into the podcast this week thank you guys for listening uh this is a super fun conversation with kate coward 
how do you say your last name so I don't mess it up? Coward. Okay, that's I mean, that's the most ironic last name that I could have. It is, is coward. You yes. seem very brave. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, like, how many people? I have to ask you, like, how many people just don't say your last name or mispronounce it because they're like, I can't call this lady a coward. I, I don't know how to answer that because I feel like whether it's my colleagues or people who know me, they just know. Um, right now, my Facebook is like no vowels. And so I think people are a little confused or they're not sure. Sometimes it, it gets written down or, or interpreted as like Conrad or Coward or something. Like when people call, like a telemarketer would be like Miss Cord. Um, <laughs> But the only time that I had, like, I hated my last name and it was really frustrating was when I was maybe like eight and playing hockey and girls didn't play hockey when I was eight, like a couple years um, later, there were girls teams, but you had to play with the boys if you did. And your name is, is taped on your helmet across the front. Right. So here I am. Not only that, my parents put me on the ice in figure skates because they're cruel and mean. <laughs> no, so, I don't know. So I went out there on figure skates with all these boys, like the only girl on the team in Minnesota, like the Mecca for hockey and kids on my own team would trip me. Oh, what? And then like parents would yell, get that girl off the ice. Yeah. And so my parents pulled me out and it's, it's this, I love it. And I hate it because if that were me right now, oh, game on <laughs> dude your parents should have you. pulled the other we, parents jerseys up and just started it was n- yeah i know it was not, no they're not that way but um it wasn't worth it at the time had i been you know 40 years old though and heard that kind of thing i mean it's just that would not be acceptable today but the fact that it was actually happening was yeah so that happened i didn't That's hear that stuff crazy. i don't remember that but having coward taped to your helmet i was teased a lot by the boys on the ice can i well so maybe this will make you feel better my first i played hockey from like second grade to 10th grade and my first like day of ice skating or whatever I'm wearing speed skates for some reason. Like the only skates <laughs> my parents could find at like the used sports store yeah. were like this, like way long skates that like Apollo Ono uses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like second grade, I can't skate anyways. And I'm have these weird speed skates on. And there is this thing where okay. you just like, you think back and you're like, whoa, that was super. It just made me self-conscious about like what I was wearing and stuff. Like that's totally. so weird. Yeah. But I did have girls on my team when we started checking and I'd have like a, I was defense, defenseman and the girl would be like, she would be my partner. I can't remember her name, but I would get crushed, like smoked. (laughs) And then she would run over and just destroy the person who checked me. And I was always so happy and grateful. I was like, this is badass. I love this. That's a good wing woman to have. Yes, totally, totally. (laughs) But anywho, uh, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Um, You know, I heard about like this recent event that you rode your bike in that just sounded crazy. And I was telling my daughter about it while we're walking up the hill. And I think it blew her mind, actually. I was like, she rode across and tell me if i'm getting it wrong but you rode like across minnesota twice right right 
Yeah, so there's this event uh, that I it was either 2015 or 2016 called the Dam, the Day Across Minnesota, is what okay. it stands for, and it was from um, Gary, South Dakota, to Hager City, uh, Wisconsin, and so it kind of it 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 sort of cuts horizontally across the state, you know, more or less, and um, it all started with the uh, one of the race directors who just he he'd always wanted to do it so he did it on his own and then he made it a thing it became a race and like huge turnouts his first couple of years um uh really impressive turnouts and i had sort of heard about it or seen about it i i didn't have a gravel bike and when i signed up because i just thought well everyone's doing gravel now i should probably think about doing that i was yeah. into the winter fat biking and then i would start running in the spring and then you know it was like whatever the season was i was doing it and uh so i signed up and actually the dam um before there was a double was my first gravel race last year and um so it it was it was not what i expected um in many ways and it was a really fun event and uh, a cool community it was during covid so there you know we had check-in outdoors and masks and six feet apart and then at the yeah. start line everyone was wearing masks and kind of distancing and then you know once we started we could take the masks off um, but, uh, and there were, I don't know, a couple hundred people showed out, showed up for that. I think like 230, but this year they had like record signups because, um, I think a lot of people were feeling more comfortable with the, uh, COVID situation and their protocols were great. I mean, even with or without COVID, I just, they had changed the race format a little bit so that it was, um, instead of having uh, checkpoints that were stocked and volunteered or set, you could make your own checkpoints and then you'd bring your own support. So on your oh, honor cool. system, you can have three checkpoints, which really changed the dynamics of the race. Because if you're rolling through, you know, 80 miles with a group of people or with somebody that you're kind of jiving with, but you've got to peel off for your checkpoint and theirs is five miles down, that's when everything totally changes. It's all I've ever known. Cause I, the, the year that I started, I did that. But anyway, um, the Trent and Eric, the race directors decided to have the double dam. And so I, I didn't sign up originally and I, I texted or emailed them and I said, shoot, I missed the sign up. Is there any way that I can get in? And they said, well, actually we're bringing the past winners back. Cause I'd, I'd won the yeah. race the year before. And they said, we're, we're bringing everyone back. So there's, there's a spot for you. What do you they were like, do? you were already signed up for this. I don't know if you yes, knew that. Yes, pretty much that's what they told me. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, I guess I have to then. And um, I, because I had done um, some, some, some of the ultra fat biking events and started to focus on that. So the, the year before I had um, had just like a string of, a handful of wins and course records between the the the, the gravel the dam actually um, uh, was my first gravel race and I got the course record there and then I had course records in skiing and um, fat biking and different winter events and so um, I most of those events were uh, lower mileage or just like a different format. Yeah. And the popularity of gravel was growing and the longer distance events were interesting. And I had done the 240 and then I, I got into Unbound and I had done Unbound 200 in June. And so I, but I wasn't sure what my distance was. It was gonna be like my thing. And so yeah. this was a good opportunity for me to do something that was a little bit longer and figure out if this was my jam. Not a little um, bit longer though, right? Wasn't it like 500? Well, 
Yeah, it was it was four ninety five with the with by like actual race file. Um, yeah. I ended up doing like four ninety nine and a half or four nice. five hundred basically. Um, round up, couple, round up. Yeah, round <laughs> up. I say five hundred. Um, I had a couple of um area t- times when I went off course and then you re- you could okay. re-enter back yeah. on course. And so if you do that, you're you know you're accumulating some more mileage because yeah. um on the um the return, I didn't have support. I was doing it unsupported. And so if I needed to get some supplies or do something, I had to kind of veer off. But anyway, it, they say it's the, so they call it the 240 and the 480 plus, but I mean, it was 495 <laughs> <to> be <exact. laughs> because 480 or 500, those are, those are different numbers. Um, well, yeah, I just so think I it's, up- I think it's fascinating that you're like, I did a 240 mile gravel bike and I wanted to see what, if that, that might not have been my distance. So I'm just going to try 500 really quick and see how that feels. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't think of it. And so I've done rate, I've done bike races that have taken two days or even, um, the Iditarod took me five and a half days. Yeah. So in my head, that's what I'm thinking. Like, well, this is short because it's two days, which is anybody listening to this who's a gravel racer is like that's really dumb and it is really dumb because riding gravel is completely different than riding on snow in a fat bike yeah it is a lot more brutal on your body there's there's a lot of you're like it's like you're more it's more like you're sitting on a jackhammer for 48 hours versus kind of you know riding on a cushion because it's just it's jarring your hands your feet your body gets beaten up a lot more. Um, now there are different challenges that come with a fat bike race where it's maybe negative 50 or yeah. you're in a snowstorm or you have moose attacking you or yeah. you know other things. <laughs> there are other variables to account for. But um, yeah, I think I was definitely very humbled by this distance. Um, and I, I thought that it would be no problem to finish. Um, because you had to, <clears throat> excuse me, you had to finish in 48 hours. I thought that would be no problem. Stupid me. Um, and uh, I actually didn't have a really good race plan, um, which as a, I, I coach athletes now, I've got a, a coaching business for yeah. um, ultra endurance athletes. And um, I, I didn't really have a plan because I generally kind of like fly by the seat of my pants and figure stuff out. And um, I, I just kind of like, I can, I'll tough it out. I'll, you know, I'll suck it up. I'll do whatever. But, um, there were a series of things that happened in this race in particular that just like, I handled some choices, bad choices. I made some bad choices, let's say. And I learned from it, but it also was like my first race in that format, I guess. Um, and yeah, I did learn that I don't, I'm not exactly, um, stoked about, I finished in 43 hours. So 43 hours on a gravel bike. Um, so I'd like to try like the 300 mile mark. I think that might, might be good because I feel like 240, um, or like 12 to 15 hours is totally doable for me. Yeah. And, but like I can hammer till the finish. So I think going to making it to the 20 hour mark, which could be like a 300 or, or a 350 might be suiting for me. Yeah. Did you just like completely like, I just have to imagine like sleep deprivation becomes like a big issue, right? 
Yeah, and I'm used to that. So I don't sleep, which is both my superpower as well yeah. as my Achilles heel, because I've had races where because I didn't have to sleep, I powered on for like three days, um, four days. And, um, but it ended up, you know, killing me. And so for this, I thought I banked a ton of time. And um, by the time I it was like nine o'clock at night. I tried to sleep a couple of hours on that. You, the, so the race, the, the race format for, for people listening is you start at midnight. So I got in the back of my car at like nine, which is when I say I go to bed, but it's anywhere yeah. between nine and midnight every night. And I tried to sleep. I had my pillow. I put some noise canceling earphones on. I just tried to like Zen out. I didn't really have as many pre-race jitters as I normally have. Couldn't sleep a wink. I expected that because I normally don't sleep the night before race, which is like death for races that last more yeah. than two or three days. Yeah. Cause you're already um, at like, now you're, you're already, already like a day behind. You're already a day in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's um, crazy. I'm, I'm totally used to that. Um, so the first overnight it's, I, I mean, that's no issue. And um, it was really cold. Um, it was not as rowdy as the year before. It was very dry. We're having a drought in Minnesota, I mean, across the country, but um, the, so the gravel was just behaving differently than yeah. the, the prior year. And um, at one point in the morning, so I started kind of hammering along. And at one point I was like, wow, I'm, not working as hard as I did last year, but I'm ahead of my pacing from last year. And I had gotten the course record the year before. So I was like, wouldn't it be cool to get the course record this year and then turn around and go back to Gary? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Let's, so I, <laughs> at checkpoint two, I ran into a friend of mine and I told him this story. He's like, I'm down, let's go. And yeah. so we, we hammer off and um, at some point, and I, I might, um, cause I have this all documented, but I I'm just talking off the cuff at some point there, my axle flew out of my front wheel. I was like hammering down a hill. And all of a sudden I like locked up and I, like, what is happening right now? And I looked down my axle had come out. So what happens to your bike when that happens? I'm about to do a in, bike race well, this weekend and I'm terrified of something like that happening. And yeah. then just like, I'm just imagining something happens on my bike and then I fly like a billion feet. You can. I mean, I think an axle breaking or coming out is extremely dangerous and yeah. very frightening. And in this case, it came out enough that it was still in there, but then the wheel just goes like sideways. Oh yeah. So it okay. cut into the, my front fork sidewall basically, but you can't like, you know, it just kind of like stops. Right. And then anything can happen from there. So, <clears throat> um, I, I looked down and I thought, God, this is so weird. I was literally just telling a guy that this happened to me in Kansas at Unbound and I didn't check it. Cause in my head, I was thinking I just didn't tighten it. You know, I do yeah. all my own wheel and tire work. So I was thinking, well, it was just stupid. Like, of course I didn't check that before I got out here. And it was kind of um, bothering me that morning. And I didn't bring my six hex wrench to, or Allen key to fix it. So I yelled at my friend, Dave, and he stopped and let me use his tool and I tightened it <clears throat> and it wasn't really like, it wouldn't really tighten. So I was thinking like, oh, I feel like maybe this is stripped a little bit, not good. So we keep going off, it comes out again. Oh. So I ask him to switch 
axles. I mean, to switch um, tools because then I didn't have to have him stop and I'd just trade at the finish. But since he had loaned me his wrench for his toolkit <clears throat> the first time, he hadn't put it in back in right and it fell out and he lost it. <clears throat> so then I, I turn it with my fingers and like with a five um, hex and just kind of like try to you know, use the sidewall to like try to yeah. get it tighter. Yeah. And then this group of guys came up behind us and I yelled to them. I said, can anybody trade a tool with me until the finish? Or in, I knew at checkpoint three, there was a group who said they'd loan me a tool. I had texted somebody about it. And um, so one of them did. And then when I saw, and so then every five miles from like mile 170 to 240, I had to stop and tighten this axle. Oh so then I ran into this guy later after I'd gotten my own tool and he said, Hey, do you need, do you need my tool anymore? Can I have it back? I said, yeah, no problem. And he said, well, do you, I have some bad news. I lost your tool. So I'm thinking, okay, no problem because <laughs> I can find one from people. Somebody's going to loan me a tool. It's no, yeah. a multi-tool. It's no problem. So I get to the finish after stopping every five miles and, um, uh, I, talked to a, 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 this, this group that I had, had kind of like taken me under their wing to, to support me for the race. And um, they said, well, your, your fork, like the receiver is, is stripped. And, and I said, oh, that sucks. You know, I was thinking like I had done something to it. And I said, oh, it's no problem. I'll just, I'll just, I can tighten it. It's, it's no big deal. And they said, no, no. Like they really pushed me. They said, no, we're going to go to a hardware store. We're going to figure this out. So then I go and I, I, they're like, you just go rest, do whatever you need to do. Go rest. So I go lie down rest. And this is afternoon of that first day. Yeah. And, um, they, uh, they came back to me and there was another guy who had finished, who had an axle that was the right dimensions, but it was a through axle, which means it goes through the other side. So it was a little too long. But then, and I actually, I was just staring at this. I have it here. They ended up making a washer yeah. out of bike tube. Like <laughs> they made, this is just a quarter of it. They had made yeah. all these layers to make this like DIY washer that they put between <laughs> the, the bolt end of the axle and the bike. Yeah. And it ended up holding, which was great. But this took like an hour and a half, which was like the first series of you know like conundrums missteps yeah well steps yeah let me so first of all how does that not get in your head of every five miles you're pulling over and checking it like i guess for a lot of people that would drive them nuts to the point where they'd probably just be like it's not worth it and especially like to turn around and go back right like they'd probably right. be like i made it to the ending i'm i had this thing, it, it sucked and it, you know, kind of, I had to stop every few minutes and check it. And they probably would just, that would be an annoyance just enough that they would probably give up. Like what kept you going kind of like when that was going on? I mean, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. It wasn't even a question. That's just an excuse. You know, yeah. I like, I ran into this guy at the finish who didn't finish. He had driven to the finish and, and he had this whole, he was like, I was trying to leave. <laughs> it's like, on my bike ready for the second half of this race. And he starts telling me the whole story of his race from the beginning. And I'm like, 
And you're Midwestern and you, you obviously have to be polite and listen. I, I, I was. And also <laughs> this is a longer race. So I was just, I, I listened. I said, I'm so sorry that happened, all these things. But it was, you know, light had dimmed, fell. I mean, it was just like one like, thing after another. Yeah. And it was, I mean, to me, none of those reasons really added up to any reason to stop other than, you know, I'm sorry, but people do look for excuses to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. That's, that's their deal. Um, I, that's not my deal. I, I, I can't, I just, I don't like, it pains me. I've, I've literally crawled on the snow, um, pulling a sled on my hands and knees, <laughs> realizing I can't crawl for 30 miles in 10 hours. It's not possible. So at that point you have, I had to make a decision to pull out of this <laughs> what, race. What race was right? that? That was Tuscobia 160. It was actually yes. Kari right. and I did the um, the double arrowhead and um, on foot. And uh, it was like a, a warm up. And uh, I, I didn't warm up 160 I didn't really miles. Train. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really train properly. So my yeah. feet just weren't really up to the challenge. And I, they literally felt like someone was just like taking a hammer and hitting like every time they touched the ground someone was hammering the bottom of my feet so I was in tears and then I started crawling and finally I I I had to call somebody because I I couldn't do it I mean it was just um it wasn't possible but I will do I will do almost anything to get to the finish because it's that's the journey. That's when you learn about yourself. I mean, I know that there's, there's a whole other world of like DNFing that we could go into. I don't know a ton about it. Cause it's just not, um, it's not what I've been able to do. And, yeah. and it's not a, um, it's not a judgment. It's just not in my, it's not in my DNA unless yeah. there's a compelling reason. And like, and a broken axle is not a compelling reason if there's a way through it because yeah. I wasn't there. Um, like I, I would have done anything to, like, I was so laser focused on getting to back to Gary by the 48 hour cutoff. Cause it was yeah. just, it was exciting. And I wanted, and I trained for this and I was here yeah. and that was all part of the story and the adventure. I mean, so much shit is going to happen to you. And the thing is like with ultras, whether they're on foot or bike, there are so many variables. Like you come in most like let's say 99% of the people show up to the starting line in shape to yeah. do what they've come to do. Yeah. Sometimes they're chasing cutoffs because of physical things, but they still showed up and they put in the work from there. It's just strategy and variables. And a lot of the variables you can prepare for, but you can't control them. So you can only control what you can control. And this axle situation, I could not control. Yeah. And so all I had to do is kind of throw my hands up and say, and laugh about it and be like, this is just all part of the story. I'm going to tell about this race. I mean, <laughs> it's not like there's money on the line. I mean, yeah. you don't even get like a medal for finishing. So you get something just, so much better though. You get so much better. I know. Experience. Yeah, totally. But that's the thing is that like, I like my livelihood, you know, feeding my family or getting a sponsorship is not on the line. It's more about my drive for why I'm there and having this experience and what I was going to go through in the next 24 hours that I yeah. hadn't before, because any races I had done of that length were either ultra marathon on feet or winter ultras on skis or on um, fat bike. Yeah. So this was like a first and you can never get your first back. You know, yeah. it's like one and yeah. done. Um, and uh so yeah i mean but i 
frankly, I was a little frustrating, frustrated having to sit in Gary. It was sort of, that's what I was, that was my my follow-up question was now you got to just sit around and wait when precious time is ticking, you know? Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I knew that there was enough time that you, that's time you can easily lose, but time you can easily make up, right. Because you can chip away at it. Um, and I also, because I sort of accepted that this was the situation, I was equally happy to be sitting down off my feet and like regrouping. Cause I had, um, I was for a long time chasing my, my course record, which meant I was going pretty fast um, to the finish. And then at one point I realized that my math was all wrong and I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I slowed down a little bit um, and, uh, you know, remembered that I had a whole other 270 miles to go after. Do you think math, math teachers, like middle school math teachers asking for a friend, but do you think they're like, (laughs) they should be like, Hey, you know, cause the kids are always like, when am I going to use this in real life? They should be like, well, when you're, you know, 170 miles into an ultra gravel bike race and you have to do math and your brain's gone, you're going to want to be able to like do it correctly. You know? Yeah. I think you should try that, but sorry, I'm trying to plug this. Like, I will. I'll try it tomorrow. I'm I don't look like I'll bring that up to my math teacher, our um, math teacher at school tomorrow. The thing is that no matter how good you are at math, you get so stupid in these races. Some people actually bring like a little calculator. Yeah. Um, Like if like, like people on the tour divide, I think will bring a calculator or you can use your phone. I mean, there's calculator on your phone, obviously, but I've screwed up so much math before like like the easiest math um yeah you don't and other you know other tricks people will do is um because it's not just math but it's like decisions that they get wrong they'll actually write themselves like plans so for example like kari taught me this for Mm. um kari gibbons who you had on um not that was awesome yeah she's super cool incredible um she taught me, she has like, before she it walks into a checkpoint, she has that checkpoints plan. So it's something like, it would be like, change your socks, go to the bathroom, eat something. Yeah. Then on your way out, you know, put whatever back on your sled, take the thing out, blah, blah, blah. And I can't tell you how awesome that is because I've, and I, I do, I don't do that, but I have another trick. Um, but uh, because you do stupid things, like I've done things like I left um, uh, I left my, this is my first ultra. <laughs> I left the or second ultra. I left the, um, arrowhead 135 halfway point, quote unquote, halfway point with like no food. Cause in my head, I'm like, I'm 75 miles in and it's only 135. Like I'm like 50 miles, 50, right. It's not, it's like 70 to the finish. <laughs> I'm only like 50 miles. Like I don't need all this food and I'm sick of eating. I'm just tired of eating so i like dumped all my food oh my god meanwhile i get to the second checkpoint at one or the third checkpoint at at 115 miles by the way the last 20 miles are brutal but 
I get to that checkpoint, I have no food. And it's like, it was a really snowy year and it was my second time on snow on the bike. So I, they had at that time, they don't have this anymore. They have zero support at the third checkpoint, but at the time they had powdered Swiss Miss um, hot cocoa. Oh. So I filled a styrofoam cup up to the top with that and then poured water in to make this paste. And I ate the paste because <laughs> <laughs> I had no food because you have to actually finish with um, 3000 something calories. Yeah. And I had butter. And so either way, I wasn't eating the butter for many, for more reasons than it was my, you know, way to get an official finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so, um, that's one trick. And then, um, wait, have, I, like, I, I love that you just brought butter as like, you have to have this many calories. Like shit, I'm going to throw butter in here. I'll, yeah. I'll so, so, so some of the winter races you have, um, required things yeah. that you need to carry and finish with. Yeah. And, um, the, like, the, the you, you want something that's super dense in calories you're, yeah. you're not going to bring three thousand calories worth of popcorn right you have no <laughs> yeah. room to put anything else and like butter and peanut butter or um uh you know anything that's just super dense um, no i think that's genius good. yeah and the butter is nice is because if you put it in your in your bike or sled when it's warm you can actually like push it into a mold like where oh, you cool. want it to go because cart like real estate is precious on a bike yeah. like you gotta pack well there's a lot of opportunity there and so butter you can kind of like stick or you can get like the half sticks and just kind of stick them everywhere on the bike oh that's awesome yeah that's so So. genius (laughs) i want to ask you all about those winter ultras but real quick like i know we haven't haven't finished the double no it's it's amazing i you've done so much and you know there's a whole bunch of you know different ways like i or different things i want to talk about but but finishing this one, like, what was it like going back now? Like, are you, did you ever hit a wall or are you, is that just something that yeah. generally you don't, you don't really think too much about? I generally don't think too much about it. In this case I did, but not for, but for reasons that were plaguing me and I was hoping would not um, coming into it. So I, they, when we fixed the ax- axle situation, I, yeah. I ventured off on my way back and it was, um, I don't know. It was exciting. Cause you and, like, even though I wasn't more than halfway yet mileage wise yeah. in, um, uh, mentally I was halfway and, um, this section is pretty hilly and the sun you're riding into the sun. Cause you're heading back West at this point. And, um, so it was just hot and, um, I was thinking, well, my mother-in-law lives in Cannon Falls, which is 30 miles from Hagar City. So that would have put me at about 270 miles of the 500 around 9 p.m. And I thought, well, I generally go to sleep around 9 p.m. And so my rhythms would tell me that my sleeping circadian rhythm would tell me that I should, you know, I could take back and maybe crash for an hour or two. Yeah. So I called her up and she answered and I was kind of like, oh, I hope she doesn't answer because then I'll have to keep going. (laughs) She did answer. And um, she said, I said, hi, hi, Shirley, it's Kate. You know, I I don't know if you know this, but I'm biking across the state. I'm in this race. Does she expect this kind of stuff from you? Is this kind of like, she's like, this is normal. Uh, um, Yes and no. Okay. Um, (laughs) I mean, funny, well, Okay, I'm, I'll just go off on a tangent right now because this is really That's funny, cool. actually. Uh, tangents are always um, welcome. I so you know, Kari and I did the double arrowhead. Yeah. And that and what that was for people listening, that just means that we decided to do the arrowhead 135 twice in a row and on foot. So we started at the finish four days before the race. We got to the start 
and slept and then turned around with the race and then had 60 hours to complete the race. And we weren't Red Lantern, but we were pretty close. Um, and so I have a reputation for this now, like people know about that. <laughs> and my own family actually just can't, like they, they don't, like they don't understand the magnitude of these things. So even though I said, I'm doing this race across Minnesota and back, they kind of roll their eyes like, oh, only, but they don't, they're not like, whoa, they're just like, of course you are, because that's what you do. And so I asked my parents to be on call for sun for the second day for my, like, a like what was going to be officially my fourth checkpoint ended up being my official fifth checkpoint of six. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I gave them a spot that they could be at. And I said, I'll call you five hours ahead of time. because it was a three hour drive. And I gave them a cooler. I said, here are some supplies. So just be ready. So I kept them informed. And at some point I was able to kind of predict when I was going to be there. So we get there, they're actually there. And um, I said, okay, I'm going to be at the finish in two hours. So you can go have something to eat, but I'm going to be there in two hours. So I get to the finish and this isn't the first time this has happened and they weren't there. And I'm like, come through and I'm looking around. I'm like, I got nobody. <laughs> and so then they, they roll up like 15, 20 minutes later. And, and I was like, where were you? And my mom said, I said, you're late. Like you didn't even make, I literally nailed it. I was, I called it within five minutes. <laughs> you drove all this way and you had one job. And my mom said, well, actually we're early. And I'm like, no, no, you're not because I'm already here. <laughs> yeah. So then I get home and like five days later, I, I said, to my husband, I said, like, don't you want to know, like, what place I got in the race that only 11 people finished? Because I got third. <laughs> and he's like, it was a race. <laughs> he didn't know it was a race. Yeah. And, um, and then my brother called me and we were talking and he said, hey, um, was that a race that you did? And I said, yeah. And he said, mom and dad didn't know they thought you were just doing a double of a race and so, and so I pulsed a few people because I was at first kind of annoyed by this that my <laughs> husband and parents didn't know I was doing a race and okay I'll take some of the hit for that for not explaining this but then yeah. other people were like yeah but that's something that you would do yeah you they just so, expect it at this point right and so that's fine but yeah, <laughs> this one was I'll a be, race. I'll try to communicate better. This one counts. <laughs> so you were, you were telling yeah. me about your mother-in-law yeah. real quick though. Yeah. So she, I think she sort of does, but does, I'm not, I, I, you know, she, it's, it's not like she's done anything like it. So it's hard, but she, she knows I do crazy things and she's, you know, supportive and everything. Yeah. everything. So, um, I, but so I, I showed up at her house at like nine 30 and I just like stripped down asked her to dry my clothes because I had been sweating because it was hot and then it got cold and I had yeah. layers on and I got into bed and I set my alarm for like 11 45 or midnight and I just lay there and then there were all these beat you know people were like texting I was on all these I was on like another rider text chain of everyone who had already finished and they were like good job way to go to each other and let's get a beard and so then like, shoot I put it on you know airplane mode and I put on Enya and my earphones. Not, I mean, I love Enya, but it was more so something to like calm me down. Yeah. It takes me a couple hours to, to come down. 
like two hours go by and nothing, not a wink. India didn't work the magic. Oh, so I super frustrated, packed up, left. The Casey's was closed because they have shorter hours due to COVID. I have said, I I think I read that on your post. And as a Midwesterner, (laughs) I felt your pain. I was like, oh, not Casey's. No, where is she going to get breakfast pizza? Yeah. Yeah. So to save time, I, what I what basically for the rest of the night, like I've I've powered through sleepies before, but generally, um, when you fall asleep on a fat bike, you wake up in a snowbank. Yeah. Or I've hit trees dead on and bounced back. Um, but when you're on a gravel bike, it yeah. is a long way down to hard rock to fall, and that's not cool. So I did have a couple like. Like I woke up kind of like the bike sort of like teetering. I tried to sleep in a park on the grass, probably in a spot where a lot of dogs have been walked and urinated. And then I finally made it to um, this town where I got a hotel room and I set the alarm for 45. I took a shower and set the alarm for 45 minutes. Nothing happened. I didn't sleep. Cause I knew once the sun rose, nothing, I wouldn't be able to sleep. And then, you know, my energy level changed, but so that, that was a lot of mistakes because I was thinking like, maybe this time, I mean, yeah. the last five years since I started doing ultras, I've never been able to sleep, but maybe this time. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no. like, maybe it's changed <laughs> this time. No, nothing changed. So that really sucked. Um, but the other issue that was just plaguing me all summer and I was really um, stressed out about was I had, I was um, suffering from saddle sores all summer. I've never had an issue with them before, but this summer I ended up going through like all different kinds of bike shorts, but seat position. I went through like four different seats trying to figure out like what is going on. And they came back in like, I mean, I kind of recovered, like had them sort of recover right before the race. But I was thinking like, if I get them after 14 hours, I'm definitely going to get them. And so I like, I had moments I was walking, (laughs) like you can't walk your bike 500 miles no, on gravel because you'll never them. make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was really frustrating. So that was just a big downer, but, um, yeah. anyway, yeah, I don't, I learned from it though, but, um, and then I didn't really sleep that night and then I finally slept like on Tuesday. So the oh race started on Friday. And I what was sleep. that sleep like? Like it was amazing. I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but I posted a photo or a a story of myself yeah and I looked amazing I thought like maybe it was just the contrast to what I looked like before because I have some really gnarly rate I mean everyone has a lot of like has race puffy pictures yeah that are, that are hysterical and embarrassing at the same time and so maybe it was the contrast to what I looked like the two days earlier but I just felt like I felt like my skin was so clear my my eyes were sparkly like it was really it was pretty amazing I don't sleep generally I'm like I'm not a sleeper I can't yeah. stay awake for the life of me but I can't stay asleep yeah yeah like my kid yells at me when I read him a book at night he's like he'll, he'll I'll, I'll be I'll fall asleep in the middle of a sentence and oh, I love say, it no m- mommy you can do it you can do it mommy <laughs> That's oh. awesome. I'll fall asleep uh, in the middle of telling them a story. Like if I'm making a story uh, up and yeah. it'll end up, the story will take some twists that I don't even see coming. Cause yeah. I just keep talking and they're like, wait, where does shark come from? And then I kind of wake up. And I'm like, <laughs> Whoa, there are sharks in the story now. That's awesome. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, Actually yeah. this really funny story with Kari on, we were on like um, day six of our seven day, 270 mile journey through the remote Northern wilderness of the state of Minnesota in January. Um, and we were, <laughs> the, it was a, um, a lunar eclipse that night or ellipse, eclipse, eclipse that night. And um, it was gorgeous, but we were also like really stupid by this point. Cause we had slept like 12 hours over seven days and we had already traveled like 230 yeah. miles and yeah. things were getting really weird <laughs> at that point. And so we were walking to the third checkpoint. And at one point, because I kept like falling asleep, falling asleep, you know, you're just standing up and then you kind of close your eyes and you like for a second you're asleep. And I would have these dreams in that second. So um, I had, I, I was talking to her like, blah, blah, blah. Well, we need to go get on the truck. And she's like, what? No. I mean, it's, it's really funny to see two people hallucinating, not on drugs, but actually because of sleep deprivation and in an ultra talking to each other because they can be the funniest conversations. <laughs> I mean, at one point I just stopped and I said, I think we're going the wrong way. And Kari's like, no, there's only one way. Just keep going straight. <laughs> so um, yeah, we had, like you said, sharks. It was like, I was talking about whatever, the sleds. And then suddenly there was a truck in yeah. a story that had to do with, you know, what we were going to do at the next checkpoint that had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And she's so tired. She doesn't even recognize that you said something weird, probably. No, she did. She, I think it, she was a little more on top of things. Than I was, <laughs> what was but. it? I got to ask this then, like, so Kari, who I talked to on the podcast, you know, she's an amazing ultra athlete. You guys met each other at some point and then became friends and then decided we're going to do Arrowhead 135 twice. Like, what is that like to meet like somebody who, you know, it's like adventure soul is like so similar to yours where you're like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go. It is such a warming sensation and also a little dreamy like it's almost unreal because at the time I didn't actually know anybody really yeah um and now I've met enough people through these events that I know like I look out there and I think like if I'm gonna do something I've got a Rolodex I can yeah. I can go find somebody yeah. crazy enough to do something crazy but um in her case I, th I think we had both done the arrowhead like twice and so we had seen each other but she had been doing foot stuff I had been doing bike stuff yeah and I knew who she was. I ran into her like at the Berkey once, like, Hey, did I see you up in Arrowhead? You know? And, um, I was at her place of work. I showed up, she was working at a store in town and I said to her, I'm like, Hey, I, I want to do a double Arrowhead. She's like, me too. And then <laughs> I don't even, remember. I feel like I was planning to do it on bike and, or maybe I don't even know what, the, like both of us have the same story where we each think the other person or we brought it up. Yeah. Like, so it's like the same story, but it's not. So I was like, we both, it was like this, we the same thing. And then we're like, let's do it together. Yeah. And yeah. then that was it. I mean, it, I, I don't know. It was just, <laughs> I, it just happened. And no, we didn't. I mean, things could go really wrong if you don't know somebody, but it, it, 
it was, I thought, I mean, it was a really great match because we ended up um, balancing each other out in ways that were really important. Um, like Kari really likes to, you know, head down and be a leader on the, on when she's um, charging and I like to be a follower. And so a lot of times we fell, I mean, sometimes I'd lead, but she was just way faster. So a lot of times we fell into patterns where yeah. she was in front and I was behind her and I just like, you know, stuck to her sled. And then there were things that I thought about or, um, um, or strategies I came up with that she didn't think about. And then there were things that, you know, she's, she was really tuned in to foot racing, whether it was snow or summer at that point. And so she knew a lot about that, that I didn't, and she was able to be my sort of sensei on the trail. So we, we taught each other things. And also we, we know we had a plan like, Hey, if like, once we got to, International Falls for the actual race start. From there on out, it was if at any point someone's not going to be able to finish, we don't want to compromise the other person's finish. So that's mm, just that was just yeah. our gen our gentlewoman's agreement. Um, and uh, and we ended up we ended up doing it. We stuck. I mean, at that point, it was like there's no way we're going to leave each other. I mean, so and I was barely hanging on at that point. So so you guys did that whole entire thing like together pretty yeah. much the whole entire time that's awesome yeah. what do you yeah. talk about like what do you run like when you run out yeah eventually you have to run out of things to talk about and all that stuff right um i don't know like we we brought a <laughs> gopro so we have a lot of gopro footage of us um like like sledding down hills and just like giggling and laughing there was a lot of giggling and laughing yeah um there was i, I mean it, it was so long ago now because it was like 20 I was eight weeks pregnant with my son at the time. I didn't, I didn't know that, but, um, that's how I do the math. So he, that was 2018 January. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so we, I don't know, we talked about life about, you know, what was happening in our lives and our dreams. And um, isn't that the best part of these ultras? Sometimes you're like, yeah, you just start running with somebody. And then eventually, like after the first 20 minutes, you're like, well, we got through all the, like, basic surface level conversation and then you're yeah. like i guess we're just getting going deep and we're getting weird with some of these conversations but it's just like really like it brings out the humanity in people i think because there's it totally does to hundred percent and you you form a bond just by the sole reason that you're sharing the trail yeah you don't literally you don't have to have anything else in common but you understand each other because you're doing this thing and you're like, I get you, you get me, this is cool. Um, you know, some people enjoy the solitude more than others out there. So they don't really like that. Yeah. I'm somebody where if I see somebody, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're going to be my friend. <laughs> we are on, <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> and yes. because I know the power of having somebody else, it just, it makes the time go by a lot more. And yeah. Um, so I, I know that that might annoy some people, but you know, if you see me coming, you better watch out because I'm going to make you be my friend. <laughs> you see him speed up real quick. Um, I, I did that. I did. I did. I've chased some people down before. Yeah. What? Um, I meant to ask you this for, for the very first question, because I know oh, you've okay. done all these, which, you know, obviously I, I missed the boat on my first question, my bad, sure. but, uh, uh, you've done all these like winter ultras and done things in the cold and, you know, live in Minnesota where you have to train and it's like negative 15, 20. Um, what is it about the cold when it's really cold? Like it's like biting 
that like it's that freaking cold like what is it about that that kind of draws you to these do you like it or is it something that you're just like i just have to put up with it because that's the circumstance in these races or is there something that you like really enjoy about that that's all part of it um i so i was first drawn to i'm i'm drawn to anything that's just like really hard i mean and the harder the better so in a way doing, um, like, for example, I'm, um, I'm, uh, training, uh, coaching a guy who's, um, going to do the, um, trans America bike, bike race next June. So it's 4,000 miles. It's all on the road though. And even though that's like, and it, that I, I find that to be such an honorable thing to even just show up for more or yeah. less like finish. Um, I, it doesn't interest me because to me, it's very monotonous. I, I, if you're telling me that there's going to be, um, a, like the, I did my first, I did a rod, for example, like, you know, up to 12 feet of fresh snow and windstorms and killer moose and negative yeah. 50 and all these different elements that excites me because I actually do better with the harder conditions and the harder curveballs and the more variables that get introduced versus if there are fewer, I tend to, I don't know. It's like, I take my eye off the ball or I, I don't have my best game. So yeah. I need all of that. And that's exciting to me. So the cold was just something for me to go and, um, conquer or achieve and kind of understand and like be a part of something that, and, you know, I figured if these people are doing it, then I can do yeah. it too. It's something yeah. interesting. I will say though, like I, if it's, you know, it, I'm on this Facebook group where it's pretty funny. Cause a lot of people will be like, um, you know, only we would say this, but it's going to be negative 20 this, this weekend. So it's like awesome training weather. Go, I'm going to go training. ride. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm going to bike indoors on my trainer because I, I don't know, like I have a hard time with the, with the racing sometimes. I mean, the training getting out there <laughs> and that stuff. I'm more of like a fair weather trainer, but then yeah. when it comes to the actual race, I think yeah. like bring it on. And I used to not think that way, but as you become more comfortable with it and you learn yeah. how to manage it, um, I now thrive off that. It's what is, what is, can you even like put into words what, and I, and also I know that you're trying to prevent yourself from feeling that cold, like with your gear and like, you know, your like how you're handling the race, but like, what does that like bitter cold, like feel like, you know? Well, it, it kind of depends on the race because, um, your body adapts. So, um, for example, when I'm, when I've been day three, four, five into a race and it's negative 30, negative 40, negative yeah. 50, I don't even know. I mean, I know it's that cold, but it doesn't feel the same as when you walk out your door to your car and it's negative 50. Yes. When I walk out my car, my door to the car and it's negative five, I'm swearing and just yeah. thinking like, I, I freaking hate this. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not that negative, but you know, I have moments where I just think like, this is annoying. You're clearing <laughs> um, the ice again. Yes. I'm like, no, oh, why am I no. doing it again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's something about once you're out there, like even, um, 
I, I meet a group every Tuesday and Friday to ride and we ride all winter and, and I'll, I'll still go when it's negative 10 because I'm meeting them. So it's like the focus on them. And then after an hour or two, you kind of adapt, but after several days, your body adapts to it and it starts yeah. to regulate. So you kind of like, for me, like I stop sweating that might be in part because I get dehydrated, but, yeah. um, your metabolism starts to regulate and calm down and you get into like a steady state where, things are going pretty well. I, in the shorter races, and when I say short, I mean like 20 hours or less because I'm hammering. I'm, I'm actually sweating so much that I am like drenched. It looks like someone dumped water on me, yeah. um, but I just don't stop. So I keep going. And a lot of people, you know, for some people that can be really dangerous for me. I, I, I know where I am and what I'm doing. And I've done it a few times now that, um, I have, you know, a plan, which is I've got some dry clothes on the ready, but I know if I don't stop, I can sweat through my clothes and be soaking wet. Um, as long as I, you know, for me, that's, you know, I, I don't want to give advice. Yeah. Listening. Please no. check with me before you do something <laughs> like that. Um, I don't want you to die, but, um, I, I know how to handle that and manage yeah. it. And so okay. I do. Yeah. Cause I can't, if I'm not, then I'm not going fast. And then I'm not like, I've got to put it all out in the line in order to. That's interesting. Do you feel do like. Do you feel like at a certain point, cold is cold or cause I was just thinking this summer I experienced like the hottest temperature I've ever experienced. And what, what was that? it was like 116 degrees dry or humid. It was dry. Yeah. It was dry okay. heat. Um, we were in the desert. Uh, we were actually, we were filming a race, a stage race out here. So we weren't running it, but even just being out there, in that heat was yeah. nuts. It was crazy. And I just remember thinking like, well, it's going to be hot, hot is hot. And then it ramped up to 116 degrees. I'm like, oh, there's a whole yeah. nother level of hot. That was yeah. crazy. Is, do you feel that way when it gets to like negative 50? Um, kind of like some, it's funny because some of the winter ultra athletes actually like they chunk it. So they know like, okay, between zero and negative 15, this Ooh, is what okay. I wear or between okay. negative 15 and negative 25. And then over that, or if you're just going by feel, it's like, well, I've got my oh shit layer on or my, you know, whatever it is. um, yeah, I would say yes and no. Like for me, um, negative 20 to negative 50, which I think is the, I mean, I've, I think I've been in negative 90 wind chill, Ooh. but I'm wearing, I'm wearing the same thing. And that's yeah. a pretty big span, right? Because yeah. at that point, a lot of it is just, um, wind and kind of out, you're creating a, a microwave on the inside. So as long okay. as you keep moving, you're generating heat. And so your layers on the outside don't really matter since you can regulate the heat within the sort of insulation with, you know, your, how hard you're working. Um, but um, yeah, I think there is a point, I mean, I, because I haven't had experience colder than that, I mean, there are some people, Alaskans would be the best people to talk to because they, yeah. they know a lot about that. Um, they're also like total, they're all badasses too. Yeah, they're like, they no, also wear like t-shirts. It's like zero and they're wearing a t-shirt. They're like, God, it's so hot out here. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. Heat like, wave. Wait a minute. I'm from Minnesota. That's my line, you know? And then when you meet Alaskans, you're like, I'm a wimp relative to Alaskans. <laughs> the, yeah. They're like Minnesotan. That's like way far South now. Right. Right. Doing? Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Wow. Okay. So I could talk to you forever and ever. What's like to wrap up kind of yeah. like, yeah. what's one kind of 
either adventure or misadventure you've already talked about quite a few like crawling into scobia which sounds rough um but what's like one thing that like an experience you're you're so glad you had because it is kind of like i don't i mean it's kind of sent you in another direction on uh either these races or just in life in general Mm. oh that's a really hard question because my first arrowhead was where a lot of this all started i had done ironman before that ironman triathlons um but that was that's kind of just a different world um and i i might do another one one day and then you sign up for arrowhead 135 like the coldest race ever yeah well that's a that's just like a huge jump well, but I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so that first arrowhead, the double arrowhead on foot was a very big deal. Um, the um, Iditarod was a big deal. Um, Unbound, even though it's a very different race format and I mean, everything about it, you can't compare it's still, it's a super hard race and it's like yeah. basically riding on a jackhammer for 12 hours. But um, that, that earlier this summer was big just because it was just like my introduction to the gravel world on a, like beyond the state of Minnesota, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and there were so many pros there. I mean, the field was stacked because of COVID, like all, I think a lot of people were just like, I'm going to try something different or they were, they had retired from their previous sport. Cause you had these people from, from Ironman, from road racing, from mountain biking, like all kinds of sports who showed up, up for that race. And, um, I, I did a lot better than I thought that I would. And so that was kind of gave me a little interest in doing some more gravel races and training more and racing that's so cool i totally gravel races on my bucket list for sure they just sound super fun yeah they are really fun it's um it's a cool vibe it's like a good scene you know people are relatively chill um the bikes are really comfy (laughs) um you it's um it'll be interesting to see what happens here as more and more just great athletes flock to that um world what happens to it and if it changes how it changes and whether people will stick around or um whether it will start to um sort of proliferate into different areas you know um or styles of gravel racing i mean already there are there's like the touring type gravel racing between it between like you know, tour divide and, um, the, um, Arkansas high country race and those long races. And then there's, you know, shorter stuff that's 80, hundred miles and, um, 200 miles. So we'll see what happens there, but you should do it. It's fun because you can also ride your gravel bike on roads yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. um, you can take it anywhere really. Like I used to only have a road bike. So I would go like up on the North shore, I'd go biking and then I'd take a turn and go down a road and it turned into gravel and I couldn't bike anymore. Yeah. Well, the yeah. gravel bike, you can just kind of venture off and there's sort of like this in between gravel and mountain biking now where a lot of gravel races actually have this very questionable terrain that you're like, hmm, <laughs> what kind of race is this now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can still do it on a gravel race, which I mean, on a gravel bike, which makes it really fun. And that's cool. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, if you can, even if you have a road bike and you can get some wider tire, little bit wider tires on there yeah. and some knobbier um, tires, um, 
come on out and just have some fun out there. It's, yeah. it's really, it's fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, Kate, thanks so so much for coming on. Where can people kind of like follow? You mentioned you you do coaching. Like, where can people find yep. all that stuff? Yep. Um, two places. Well, probably the easiest is Instagram. I'm not on. I don't have anything on Facebook. Really. I mean, I have like a personal account, but um, Instagram. So I'm Kate underscore coward underscore athlete. And then there's a link to my website, which is Full Potential Performance Coaching. Awesome. It's I'll a, make sure it's a I mouthful, put that. but full, full potential performance coaching. Um, and you can learn a bit, a little bit more there, um, about what I do and, um, and it's all sorts of know. athletes everywhere from, from biking to foot, like running and stuff like that. Yeah, both. Um, so I've, I've coached, um, ultra runners doing hundreds or, um, ultra cyclists, whether it's Transamerica or Silk Mountain Road, or, oh um, I did a ride or, and then I'm, I'm training somebody to do a marathon right now, which is, it's, it's new. I mean, I've, it's, it's new to me, but, um, yeah. he's running pretty, pretty fast. So I hope he qualifies for Boston, That's so cool. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm experimenting with people and we're seeing some good results and, um, uh, anything, if, if you're willing to work hard, then this is, I can, I can help you. Then let's go. I'll tell you how to yeah, fight off moose committed. in Alaska. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bring a knife. <laughs> Hit him in the jugular. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Kayla. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. Is, wait, I have a question for you. Yeah. I want, I need to know this. Uh -huh. I need to know about your yoga. Oh yeah. Um, I, so I do, I made a commitment a while ago almost a thousand days ago yes, at this point, many years ago, <laughs> many years ago to do yoga for like 15 minutes a day. And basically, okay. so my friend Calvin started this thing where it was like a hundred day challenges. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he had this cool chart. It literally was just a chart with a hundred boxes and you X it off. And it was uh -huh. such a good idea. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, just writing the X holds you accountable as dumb yeah. as that sounds. And so uh, I did that for a hundred days, a couple times, like in a row. And then I'd miss like day one Oh one. And then I just stopped doing yoga for months, you know? Okay. And so I was like, I'm just going to just keep doing it. And, and instead of saying it's a hundred day challenge, I'm just going to like, keep doing it. I'll post a picture of my carpet on Instagram, like wherever I do yoga, I just take a picture of the ground. Yeah. Because I'm like, so many people do like beautiful yoga poses on like mountains or beaches. And I'm like, that's yeah. not realistic. I'm a dad. I'm doing 15 minutes of yoga, like while the kids are taking a bath or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so basically I started doing that and I, I realized for me, 15 minutes a day seems reasonable. Like it, life mm -hmm. can be super busy and I can still get in at least 15 minutes. So that's like my rule is like, I have to do at least okay. 15 minutes. But if I would have said 20, if I would have been like, I have to do 20 minutes, I think I, I don't think I would have gotten this far. Like, I think I would have given yeah. it up because for whatever reason, 20 seems like a huge chunk of time and 15 doesn't, but really it's all just about like consistency and, and stuff like that. And so how, how long do you have a goal of when you're going to keep going or this is like, just, yeah. you're going to keep going till you forget. Gonna keep going. Okay. Yeah. till I forget. <laughs> Hopefully not today. I still have to do till it. You have like an international flight and then you need to figure out like what counts. Yeah. What day does this go on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like you go backwards a day. Like what, what yeah. is happening? No. Um, no, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, it's funny because day 1000 is coming up and like my wife's like, are you going to do anything you fancy for me? Yeah. Are you doing anything fancy? I'm like, I don't know. I'll probably just do it like 
four in the morning before my run, <laughs> you know, but we'll see. We'll see. So it's been really so good. Cool. I made that's the mistake awesome. of running my mouth though. And saying like, ever since I started it, I've never been in, I haven't been injured. And then a week and later got I got injured. injured and I was like, God, oh, I'm an idiot. But yeah. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for asking about that. So I think it's so cool. I'm, I've been doing what a lot of people would know as Bikram yoga for, Oh yeah. Uh, 15 16 years now something like that anyway um and during covid uh i did a 40 day challenge so i did between 30 and 60 or 30 and 90 minute classes every day for 40 days and i saw huge changes um because that heat just really helps you to really change your body and i had a couple major milestones where i went into positions in depths that i had never in 15 years experienced and that was just from doing it 40 days in a row yeah so then i did it again this year um kind of coming off the iditarod in march i um did uh 40 days in a row and that was really great and just i it's it's really so good for you as an athlete and even 15 minutes if you're stretching areas um like that intentionally you're working and yeah, yeah it because because then you're like chips make chunks right so if you're doing a little bit every day over long periods of time you're maintaining or improving something versus yeah. if you did the 15 minutes once a week it's like you might feel good you know whatever great but you're well, really doing yeah. a great thing for yourself and it is it will help you prevent injury for sure for sure and for me it was like the Not first first, the first like 30 days was so awkward and painful. Like every time I've done like a yoga streak or whatever, the first 30 days, you're like, what am I doing? Why is this so uncomfortable? And then after that though, you're like, oh, this actually feels really good. Like Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did this, but it took that like buildup to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it's been awesome. I think it's for me, I like I like to practice consistency in certain things just to remind myself like, oh, if you're consistent, like, just like you just said, if you're consistent, eventually it's going to lead to a bigger outcome, which is cool. Right. Right. But yeah. That's uh, awesome. Honestly though, yoga, like I feel like I've done hard things. And sometimes though, like the hardest thing is just going like an hour yoga class. And you're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life <laughs> physically. Like it's well, wild. just like ultras, just like ultras in that, in those situations, you have to be really present. And when I say you have to be present, what I mean is you cannot think of when it's going to be over. Yeah. You just have to be like in the now. And that's part of why I really liked the, um, um, you know, it's called different things now for, and that could be a whole other podcast, but what many people would know is the Bikram yoga, because yeah. part of that is a constant dialogue. And the point there is that you turn your brain off. Your teacher is basically telling your body what to do and you just go with it. So you're, yeah. you're like not thinking, you're not supposed to think you're supposed yes. to just kind of relinquish your body to this dialogue and do what it says. And, um, same thing in ultras, like sometimes you really can't think too much. You just have to like be in the moment. And basically like this athlete I'm coaching right now for the trans America, he had this really good tip that I've started using. He's like, what I say to myself for long rides is I live here now. I just, I live here. And so I've been trying that a little bit when, you know, I, I, I biked a bit this weekend and I wasn't, I didn't dislike what I was doing. They were quote unquote shorter rides, but I still was just thinking like, I live here. I am here. <laughs> Get comfortable. And that's what you have to do in yoga a lot of times. It just yes. sort of like 
be because then you'll blink and it's over. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then that, those times that happens, you're like, whoa, that was the trippiest thing ever. It just felt like, yeah, you're, you're basically you're meditating at that yeah. point and you don't even, you didn't even try. Yeah. And, uh, I'm stealing but... that for this weekend. I have two races this weekend. And, what are you doing? What races? Uh, so I'm doing a 50 K run on Saturday. Okay. Um, and then the same course on Sunday. It's really like, I think it's like, is it like a, that's part, that's the race is doing it two days in a row. No. Or? So I'm the only oh. dummy that signed up for two days in a row as best. I oh, know. you're doing, you're doing a double. Kind oh, I of. know something about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing a 50 K run on Saturday <laughs> trail run. And then on Sunday, I'm doing a mountain bike of the same course. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And I've done both the races separate. Like I've done the run before and it was hard. And then last year I did the mountain bike and it was really hard too. Uh, cause I'm not a great mountain biker, but, uh, yeah. So so Anyways. the 50k is the, the, the run is the race and then the bike is your thing you're on the run no or... they're both races oh they're um, both races oh, yeah okay. they're put on by the same company they just happen to do a run one day and a bike the next day so okay. so oh, do a lot my... of people do both or no i don't think so my wife was like you should do both i'm like oh yeah yeah thanks for That's peer awesome. pressuring me and then the race directors were like yeah no one's tried this and i'm like oh man i'm gonna be the one that tries it i guess yes um <laughs> bring extra socks to change into good call and a bunch a of pizza. like like at least once in the middle of the run and then at the end of the run oh that's no, a good wait. idea yeah change in the middle of your run for sure the bike you may not need to yeah but definitely well, I have you'll a feel day, like you i have should. a day in between yeah. so i'm gonna do the you run you should you sleep. should still change your socks halfway through the run okay that's I'm gonna in. be my advice to you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm totally in. I'm totally real. I'm a big sock changer person. It's super safe. I think I learned that from Kari, actually. I'm pretty sure she's the one that got me into that. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you see those feet, and there's some feet that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to your feet. (laughs) It's terrifying. I'm afraid that's going to be me this weekend, but we'll see. So, but, anyways, Kate, thanks for coming on. It was great, Chris. This is so fun. I'll see you out there. Yeah, we'll we'll do a podcast again at some point if you're down. That'd be great. I'm totally down. All righty. That wraps up this week's episode. Huge thanks to Kate. Um, Make sure you guys check out her coaching. Uh, You can go on Instagram like she just mentioned. Kate underscore coward underscore athlete. Uh, She is absolutely incredible. Um, She's also does all of these crazy events while being a mom, while being a parent, while being busy, uh, which I think a lot of us in the endurance racing community uh can kind of you know relate to uh as i record this podcast at 5 30 in the morning before <laughs> my super busy day starts uh and my three kids wake up so <laughs> um yeah and you know as we're getting into fall which is the best season it's undisputable it's ind- undisputable indisputable whatever it's one of those disputables uh, it's the best season. It's the best weather. You get to wear sweatshirts. You get to watch football. It's awesome. I think a lot of times for me, I love doing an event in the fall. Uh, so I love kind of training during the summer to get ready for that uh, as it kind of cools off a bit. Um, hopefully you are as well. Hopefully you've kind of set a goal that you're working towards. Um, for me, an athletic goal uh, will be this weekend. I'm doing the Mountain Rats 50K. So I'm doing the trail run. Uh, I've done this in the past. Uh, had a great time um, doing it. It rained on us. It poured on us, actually. 
I think I've told that story before, but the first time I ran this race is in Eagle, Colorado, which is awesome. Uh, love that place. Um, but the first time I ran it, you do two loops. And after the first loop, you just saw this, these clouds coming in and you're like, Oh no, this is going to be interesting. And it downpoured like hard, hard rain. And all of a sudden these super sandy trails just became ice skating. It became mud, like slick, slick mud. Uh, and I met this guy on the race, uh, at that point named Bob Stuka, uh, <laughs> And Bob is amazing. He's he's this guy. He runs the Manitou Incline all the time. The rumor has it he has the record for going down the Manitou Incline, which if you've never seen the Manitou Incline, just look it up. Um, but I met Bob, and we teamed up the rest of the race, and we were, like, pushing each other up hills because it was so slippery. Uh, we were covered in mud by the end. Like, I just remember at the finish line, there's this coffee shop, Color Coffee, uh, and Bob and I finished together, and then we went in and got – got a coffee together because the whole time we're like I just want something warm I just want coffee and uh yeah it was just a super fun experience um so I did it that year I did the run last year I did the mountain bike uh and this year with my wife egging me on I've decided to do the 50k trail run on Saturday and the mountain bike on Sunday so um when I was talking to Kate I was really, really listening in about this double idea. This isn't necessarily a double. I think, you know, an ultra running a double would be like running the course and then turning around and running it backwards. Um, this is like a weird, like almost like multi-sport challenge kind of deal. Um, and I'm definitely going to finish last place, uh, especially for the mountain bike. So we'll see. We'll see. I know the person who's sweeping the course, uh, Jennifer. And I already told her, I'm like, hey, just so you know, on Sunday, I will be last place. So you're probably going to catch up with me. And hopefully I still have energy to keep going. So anyways, um, but yeah, hopefully you guys are out there. Hopefully you're doing something fun. This is the best time to be outside. It's the best time to go exploring. Um, yeah, it's just awesome. Like I love I love this time of year uh, as it hopefully gets colder um but yeah we'll get back at you next week we have super fun episodes coming up i'm recording about three over the next week uh just to have some recorded and ready to go uh and i cannot cannot wait to share them with you uh there are some of my favorite people that i've met uh there are some really cool people that i'm planning on interviewing so uh yeah we'll get back at you then